Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. It's amazing how God works because he orchestrates stuff even before I know that I need help with something. And so today, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. You can go ahead and turn there, whether it be on electronic or paper. We're going to start in verse 25. And it's an amazing story because we're in this aspect of the summer of love. And the concept that's here is Jesus is going to be put to a test. And it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I have read this so many times, it's ridiculous. But this week it just jumped off the page to me because it's like, how do you handle tough questions? Now, I'm dealing with this on Wednesday, had no idea what was coming Friday. And my phone blowing up Friday and Saturday. But it's like, how do you handle this? How did Jesus handle this? How do we handle this volatile situation that's in our society? How do we handle this volatile situation that's throughout our world right now, and in particular in our country, and and some of the division that's there? And today, in the aspect of summer of love, I think Jesus gives us an amazing, 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 amazing example, and what I want to encourage you of how to handle these things. Now, go ahead and preface it. Just know that maturity is understanding you don't have to say everything that's in your mind. That's the first thing I'm going to tell you. Secondly, your social media posts, nobody thinks you're really that important. That'd be the second thing I'd tell you. And so just know that. Like if it's one of those things that, you know, like I believe, I believe that you can speak very loudly and also have discernment and wisdom in using God's word. And that's what Jesus does. And amazingly enough, in the summer of love, when we talk about loving people and loving people well, one of the questions is, how, how do we do that if we have differences on what we believe in our life? I don't believe that God has called us to shun and run and walk away from people. I believe that he's called us to love God and love people well. He said the greatest commandments are what? To love your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. And the greatest is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So can I just dive into this amazing parable and let's just hopefully learn something about the way we love people and the way we can react. Because I think right now it's extremely important. What took place on Friday was not this abolishment of abortion. What took place on Friday was the federal government no longer is regulating that. And so now it's going to the state level. And so now your voice is more important than ever before on what you feel or stand. And it gives you an opportunity through God's word to have a stance on some biblical things. Depending on the way you translate God's word. I want to help you. I'm never going to back down and tell you lies. If you get mad at me, I'm okay with that. And we got to agree to disagree, but I cannot compromise God's word and my convictions based on my love for you. Here's the way I put it. I will never compromise God's word under the umbrella of love. Like, I love you. If you don't know that, you ain't been around here a long time. But I love you so much that I cannot tread into compromise just because I love you. If you were to be with our staff for a little bit of time, if you were to talk to Haley, our amazing executive director, she would tell you, I have one major weakness when it comes to leadership. I don't know how to handle the tough stuff because I love people so well. 
Like sometimes they're just like, well, it's okay. What's this? It's okay. And so it's not okay. And it's like, I know, but I'm not, you know, it's not that I don't like conflict. I just, I just love so hard. And I think that's what Jesus does. So let's dive into God's word together. Are you ready? Verse 25, listen to this. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to a test. Now just, I we didn't get started. I got to hit a pause button. This is the part of the story that I never realized. Like I've heard so many times this parable of this good Samaritan, but I never realized really the context of what was going on. Jesus has just spoke, and he's talking about children and their faith and this amazing faith that children have. But now he's literally, he's being questioned. Here is this lawyer, this educated man, this person that would know the law extremely well, stands up and asks a question, and he's asking the question to put him to a test. Another way that you could put that is he's asking a question to entrap him. He is taught in the temple. And the best thing that he knows to do at this point as this lawyer is let me see if I can entrap this guy to discredit his teaching. And so with that being said, here's the question that he asked him. Preacher or teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Very simple. Some scriptures will say rabbi. Well, just so you'll know, here's the montage that Jesus uses throughout his life. When somebody asks a question to entrap him, he immediately turns around and he asks a question for them to answer. Like rather than just to turn around and, and to do the things that he's doing, he turns around and he, he says, okay, you've asked me a question. I'm going to answer by asking you a question. And then he allows that person to answer the question. And then Jesus either affirms or critiques the answer. So rather than just giving the person the answer because he knows it's a test, he says, well, basically it's like, well, what do you think? I've done that in parenting life a lot. Hey, Dad, what do you think? Well, what do you think? Is so-and-so and so-and-so real? Well, what do you think? And so listen to what he does. What do I do to inherit eternal life? And he, being Jesus, said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? See, he, he's answering this guy a question because he knows the guy's asking him a question that he already has an answer to himself with. Now, I, I, again, I need you to, I'm, I'm trying to be real careful because we don't normally hit hot buttons because we just preach God's word. But I, but I want to make sure that this is something we've we got to hit. You need to know that right now there is a state of people trying to entrap you. And they're going to take your words and they're going to use, you, use them against you. And sometimes they're, they're, they're asking you a question just to test you. And what Jesus is saying is, you know what, I'm, I'm going to love these people extremely well because I know you already have an answer. So you just, I love the way he says it. Well, what, what does the law say? Remember, he's talking to a lawyer. And when he talks about the law, he's talking about, you got to realize that in Jewish custom, this was the law. In Jewish custom, the law was the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's where they got the law. That's where they got the sacrificial systems out of the book of Leviticus. That's where they got the different Ten Commandments and the things that would govern what they do. And that was the law. And so rather than tell me, he says, well, what does the law say? And then he had this amazing, and how do you read it? And then the guy replies, you ready? Next verse, 
And he, being the lawyer, answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Now, Jesus, like this is like understatement of the decade. Jesus was so good at teaching people because he understood truth so well. And he allowed people to come on a journey rather than just telling them the answer. He allowed them already knowing the answer to just verbalize it. It was almost like a a spirit of affirmation. He does the same thing later on at the end of his life. Who do people say that I am? And he allows people to answer. He gets put on trial. Who are you? And he allows the other people to answer. And it's, it's a concept that he understands that some people need to have their own truth. And even though you may have the truth and are saying the exact same thing, they just need to make sure it's theirs and not yours. If you've ever parented a child that is in their teenage years, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Have you ever had somebody that's in your teenager's life that tells them, the exact same thing that you tell them, the difference is when you say it as a parent, you're looked at like, you're kind of an idiot, whereas somebody else tells them, and they're like the greatest hero ever. I was in student ministry for 25 years, and I cannot tell you how many times parents came to me and they said, Mickey, you could say the exact same thing that I am saying, and when you say it, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. When I am say it, they're embarrassed, I'm overruling, I'm strict, and I'm like, oh, take a deep breath, take a deep breath. I said, there's a difference. And they're like, what's the difference? I said, they only hear me a little bit. They hear you all the time. That's a little hint to how you handle situations. They don't have to hear you all the time social media posts and everything else. They, they just, when, when you speak, they just need to hear you. That's what Jesus is doing with this gentleman. He says, what, what do you think? And he answers, he says, that's right. Go and do that and you'll live. And then there's this issue. There's this issue that pops up in verse 29. And he says, but he, this is the lawyer, desiring to justify himself. If you have a paper Bible, underline those words. Desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now, there's only one reason why in God's word it would have those first four words, desiring to justify himself. The bottom line is this. This gentleman gave an answer that his life wasn't producing. And he's standing up in this dialogue with other people around, and he's answering correctly, but he wants to justify himself because he knows that everybody in the circle knows that... (laughs) You're speaking of something that you do not do. So he tries to justify himself. He's trying to let himself off the hook. Like, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, well, I'll do that, but who's my neighbor? All of this is the setup for what ends up being the parable of the Good Samaritan. I will read that parable now. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Next verse, 31. Now by a chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed away on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, the the emphasis of a Levite would be a major Jewish person. 
The Levitical tribe was where all the priests came from. This would be somebody that knew the law. This was a, a higher clan in the Jewish custom, a Levite. He says, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, a mixed breed, somebody that's been cast out, somebody that's not really a part of the Jewish custom. He, he is half Jewish and half Samaritan. A Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And then Jesus asked him the question. Remember how I said he always goes through this concept of asking a question and then turns around and lets him respond? So he gives him this parable, and then he asks him a simple question. I'll ask you the same question. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Like, Jesus wasn't going to tell him, like, here's what you need to do. He said, well, let me tell you a story. There's a gentleman that was leaving Jerusalem to go down to Jericho, and he fell among robbers. He got beat. He got tore up. And then here comes this religious leader who saw him, and rather than having to deal with the issue, he says, you know what? This, if I have to deal with this, it's going to slow me down. It's going to mess up my schedule. i got things i got to do. My life's really important. I'm a priest. Like, I'm going to do the sacrificial system. I'm on my way to the temple. Like, i got a lot of very, very important things to do. To stop and do this would really, like, like really, really, like, mess up my schedule. And so he walked by on the other side. See, the concept of the other side is the aspect of, of a lack of acknowledging. He wanted to give himself the excuse that if somebody was to ask him, hey, did you see that man that had fallen? I, I, I didn't see him. I, I'm sorry, I, I was on the other side. The other thing that we realize as we look at Old Testament teachings, if you were a leper or if you were considered unclean, then one of the things that you would proclaim as people was coming to you is you'd wave your hands and you'd scream, unclean, unclean, unclean. Because to associate with an unclean would put you in the Levitical law where you would now become unclean and you'd have a process to becoming cleansed again. In other words, listen to me. The aspect of the other side was also a concept that the priest doesn't feel like this guy is worth compromising his own self over in order to help him. Well, the Levite, comes by and does the same thing. The emphasis with the Levite is he would have known the law. He'd have known the right thing to do. But yet he follows the example of the priest. But the Samaritan, what? He takes care of him. And he goes above and beyond. And then he's asking this lawyer, very simply, which one do you think proved to be a neighbor? Now, we all sit on this side of the timeline, right? Like, we're like, this really ain't that hard of a question. But I want you to know it's the catalyst to why we do serve day. Can I ask you a, a different way? And, and boy, I'm trying to really tiptoe right now to be careful. When we talk about churches, and I'm not talking about the universal church. I'm talking about individual churches, the, the autonomous body, God's church. Like we have Crossroads Community Church, which is one of many other amazing, biblically grounded, Jesus-loving, strong churches in our community. But when we talk about churches in our community, 
Do you believe that people are going to be more intrigued with churches based on their size, their building, their pastor, their worship leader, their staff? Or do you think they'll get more intrigued by the way they met their needs, the way they noticed them, and the way they were in their community? See, it's amazing to me that some of the churches that have the greatest impact in our community are the ones that nobody has directions how to get there. But they know they're there. But yet, there's other churches that everybody could tell you exactly where they're located. But when you talk to them about, they're like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what they do other than things that are for themselves. You say, well, Mickey, what church are you talking about? I ain't talking about any of them. I'm, I'm giving you an analogy, just like Jesus gave an analogy. And all I'm telling you is, the way I look at it, and the way I'm going to encourage us as a church, is that even though people may not know where we meet, they still need to know we're here. Like even though one day, sooner rather than later, when we do get property and we do build a building, that's not going to be our permanent location. Because our permanent location has already been defined. It's called Cleveland, Bradley County, Southeast Tennessee. It's, it's a ripple effect. We want to have the greatest impact here and watch it start to exude and move forward. That doesn't happen just on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. And on July the 16th, you're going to see where it happens tremendously. Why? Because we got to notice. We got to notice that there's an 81-year-old widow who lives by one of our church members who's homebound and needs help. And we got to notice. We got to notice that there's schools whose playgrounds need a little bit more mulch because they actually had an incident where a child fell and hit her head on a little piece of concrete, had to get airlifted. She ended up being fine. But you know what? Why is the concrete still there not covered? I don't know, but July the 16th it's going to be covered. Why? Because you're going to notice. Like we need to understand that Hope for One has a new location and they're building some stuff out and they're needing some people to come in and to help them to organize these clothes for foster care and to help build these shelves and they need some help to get this done. And you're like, well, well, yeah, we're all about being pro-life. Like we want to help children that are in foster care. We want to help people find a forever home. We want to help provide their needs. We want to help the foster parent that feels called to do this to help meet their needs. And we're not just going to pray about it. Well, I, that's a, that's a, boy, that's a great mission. We're going to pray for you. Don't mishear me. There's nobody who believes more in prayer than me. But Scripture says beautiful are the feet that take the good. Like, we're going to go and actually minister. We're going to go to Isaiah 117, who's one of the nonprofits we partner with, and we're going to stain the deck on the back. Why? Because the deck needs stain. It's not just going to be like, well, you know, the easiest thing we can do is send you a check. Our church supports you. Here's a check. Like, we're going to give up our time. We're going to see the need, and we're going to stop. And even though it affects our schedule, we're going to figure out what we got to do to minister to the need. That's what Jesus was saying in this parable, in which the lawyer who was testing him says, well, let me answer that. 
You ready? Verse 37. I'll back up. Jesus asked him, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who, to the man who fell among the robbers? And in verse 37, the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. If you have paper Bible, please underline the word mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Can I go back to what I said at the very beginning? Talking about we're a pro-life church. We're a pro-life church. But there's always mercy. Do we back down from biblical truth? Never. But there's always mercy. There's always grace. There's always an opportunity to look at somebody and not say, well, I don't really understand how you feel, but I just know God's word says this. No, no. Let's, let's, let's actually put breath back into their life and listen to them and try to give them hope rather than judgment and authority. That's what Jesus was trying to explain to this lawyer. The irony is, is the lawyer was asking a question, trying to trap Jesus. Jesus asked questions, and the lawyer gave all the answers he ever needed. But there was one part that hit me that's a little bit different. As I was studying and doing this, I, I traveled around. I listened to 93.1 quite a bit. Uh, it just depends on what mood I'm in. You know, am, am I in, my, like, my country mood, and I'm running around listening to the highway? Or am I listening to 80s on 8? You know, or I'm listening to, like, old-school rap? But a lot of times I'm walking around listening to, to worship music. And the worship music's funny because that's where I find the most edification. But it just depends. You know what I'm saying? You get in different moods. So, so don't look at me through your, like, don't look at me like I'm some horrible person because I don't listen to Christian music all the time, all right? I'm human, right? But I was listening to 93.1. I, I love that station. And, and this, this gentleman came on, and he said something that I was like was so profound that I was like, I'm going to steal that. His name's Craig Rochelle, and and, and this is not my thought. This was his thought. This is like one of these little one-minute blurbs on 93.1, and all they play is, is praise and worship music. I highly recommend it. Nothing against the other Christian stations that are around here, but this one's just praise and worship. It doesn't have a lot of the other stuff there. It's just praise and worship, a lot of the stuff that you see us do on stage. And he comes on, and he's talking about the, the, the story, the biblical account of the gentleman that was at the pool. And, and the, the belief that's there, and in fact, we're going to be doing a book come the fall with a community group that I'm going to teach. It's going to go through The Grave Robber. It's a Mark Batterson book. And he talks about the miracles in the Gospel of John, and one of these is this particular one. But this person's paralyzed, and, and the belief was is that the pool would be stirred by some sort of a spirit or an angel. And when it was stirred, the first person to get in the pool, then they would be healed. And so when Jesus comes by and asks this gentleman, do you want to be healed? The gentleman replies to Jesus, and he says, I would, but I don't have anybody to help me get in the pool. It's like when, when it's stirred, then, then people beat me into the pool. And so Jesus looks at him, and he says, well, I tell you, pick up your mat and walk. And he picks up his mat, and he walks. In fact, the scripture, throw it up there. It's a very simple scripture. It says, Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. 
I want you to look at the, the yeah, not just the get up, not just the walk, but I want you to notice the, the take up your bed. And here's what Craig Rochelle said, and I thought, man, that's pretty, why didn't I think, that, that's good. He said, a lot of times we get into a situation in life, and we want God to do something miraculous, and what we want to do is we want to get up and walk, but we don't want to carry where we've been. And what you need to understand is the reason why he told him to take up his mat is because there was a concept that he wanted everybody to know, like, this is where I've been. I have not always been like this. There was a time that I couldn't get off this mat. Like, this mat was my jail. I was tied to it. I couldn't get any help. I couldn't get off of it. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. But then this Jesus came along. And I tried to explain to him why I wasn't doing what I needed to do because I was, I was tied to this mat. But you know what? He had the ability to tell me to get up and walk. You know what I did? But the amazing thing is he told me to carry this mat. Why? So that when I see you, you know that it's okay to be on the mat. I think that's what that mat is. That mat is for you to carry so that you remember where you've come from. Like, if you don't take that mat, then what ends up happening is you start going, wow, man, Lord, I have got this thing. Man, look at, I am, I am on it. And God's like, well, you need to remember, you, you're one confession away from still being on a mat. And if we had someone that had us the ability to get up off the mat, then the last question I would have is, well, then why would we not take that to somebody else to help them get off their mat? You say, well, Mickey, that, I don't know that we wouldn't. Why wouldn't we do that? Well, I look forward to seeing you on July the 16th for Serve Day. Because that's when we grab our mats, we call them a red shirt. And we all put on this red shirt that says serve, and it's our mat. And we go out and we love people well, and we do what God's calling us to do. See, listen to me. We've kind of run a gamut this morning. Started with, with something I felt like I needed to address because of the amount, and end it with just biblical truth. Please do me a favor. Know that God's word will speak for itself. And when we go to love people, that your main responsibility is the same responsibility that I have. Like cleaning a house for the widow lady, it's really not about cleaning the house. Helping a school with a playground or with painting, it's really not that. Helping stain a deck for Isaiah, it's not about the deck. It's, it, there's nothing that we're going to do that it, it's not really about any of the things that we're doing. What it's about is us making sure they know that we see them. Whether we're not on our way to the next thing in life and we see somebody with a need and that we pass by on the other side. It's not about blowing up social media so everybody will know, hey, look at what our church did. Hey, we take one day out of the year and we go love on our community. Aren't we so great? Because if I didn't go to church, I'd be like, one day? Like, woohoo, one day out of 365. You are so amazing. No, it's about doing it because that's what God's called us to do. It's just one day that we come together and corporately do something together, and it's Haley's favorite day. And we all love it, 
and they all put it together. But the reality is, is it's going to give us opportunities because we actually do this stuff every week. Last week, we were dropping off fans. The week before that, we dropped off some snack packs. The week before that, we were writing some checks to help support some different functions in different schools. The week before that, we were writing a check to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes with Matt Moore so they could go and help kids get to camp and carry the gospel to different athletes and coaches. The, I mean, I could keep going. Like, you guys don't know, everything that you guys do when you give to God, we're leveraging every bit of your resources to go take the gospel to other people. Like, we're going to do it every week. We put it this way. We will be life-giving. But on July the 16th, I want us to come together. You say, Mickey, what if, what if everybody does show up? What, what if, like, there's 250 people to go serve that one particular day? Well, number one, if you've got a red shirt from last year, go ahead and bring that because we, we're going to need you to bring your old shirt because that's a lot of shirts. But number two, we got so many projects. But here's what I want you to catch. And then I'm done. When we talk about the summer of love, when we talk about taking up our mat and remembering where we've been, and we're talking about ministering to people, and we talk about this division and this struggle and the way people are, boy, it's amazing how quickly people try to twist something and, and try to back you in a corner to, like you're saying, you're not saying that. Like, like trying, to, trying to say that you're saying something that you're not saying. But let me tell you what trumps all of that. It's in Scripture. Your faith's not going to trump it. Their hope's not going to trump it. But Scripture tells us faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So here's what I want to encourage you in the middle of the summer of love. How are you loving people? Have you noticed or do you just walk by on the other side? Are you more consumed with being right Or standing up for what's right. Where does God's word fit in your life as your compass between right and wrong? And if you say, oh, Mickey, God is at the center of everything that I do. Then can I tell you what I told you at the very beginning? He says two things the laws of the prophets hang on. Number one, and in this order, you better love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. But the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so this lawyer was like, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus gives him a big, huge, long, I'm going to give you an easier explanation. Are you ready? Who's my neighbor? The people you see that are breathing. Every person that you see that has breath in your lungs, if you can, as long as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. Be life-giving. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.